You're listening to Unscripted with Alex, a podcast that empowers young families to make choices that are best for them and their children. Hi, Kelsey. Thank you for joining me on Unscripted with Alex. No problems. Thanks for having me. So you're the first guest of this little mini series around C-section births, and you've had two C-sections, um, so two births and two C-sections, correct? Yes. Fantastic. Okay. So your first one was an emergency C-section. So can you explain to us a little bit about this first birth story? Were you induced or was it spontaneous labour? So I was being monitored for high blood pressure throughout most of my pregnancy and my obstetrician felt that my levels were high when I had protein in my wee. So they decided to induce me. So my first was an induction. My second was completely planned cesarean. But yeah, the first ended in, and they call it an emergency because it's unplanned. So it wasn't no life-threatening issues with it. It just had gotten to the point where that was the best way forward for us and for bubs. Yeah, okay. Oh, that is a good distinguishing sort of factor because I always sort of, I suppose the first thing you think of is emergency, like, oh, you're being whisked off and it's all real quick, quick, quick. So were you being medicated for the high blood pressure or were they just monitoring? Just monitoring because I only had traces of it Mm. in uh, my wee throughout the pregnancy until it sort of spiked uh, about two weeks out from due date. Okay, so you're two weeks yep. out and then you were induced. Mm-hmm. So so you were induced to like try and do, it's still a Natural. vaginal birth? Okay. Yes. Yep, so yep. what so, changed? Um, so we went in the Sunday night and had the Follies balloon in overnight and then I had my waters broken and I had the medication and I was hard and fast, so went straight into it. I didn't ever get a break between my contractions. They call it irregular contractions and... That was full on. They were concerned about my blood pressure, though, about 12 o'clock-ish from waters being broken at about 7. So they suggested the epidural go in because that can help calm the body and bring blood pressure down and all that sort of stuff. And at that point, I I was very anti-epidural prior to, but knowing that anything can happen in birth, and so I was open to it and had it put in and then just didn't progress any further from that. So I got to seven centimetres naturally. Oh, well, as natural as you can. (laughs) And then um, they started to have trouble monitoring babies' vitals and stuff. And so that gave me a little bit of concern and then didn't progress any further than seven centimetres. So the conversation was brought to the table of it's likely that a cesarean is how this baby's going to be but it's not at that point yet so you can have a bit more time which we took and then about 10 30 I was exhausted and we weren't getting anywhere and they were really start struggling to find baby I was lucky enough that with my epidural I still had control over my legs so I could still move and I could get up on my like knees if I wanted to right. so I had quite a lot of mobility through my epidural obviously couldn't feel anything which was good And then, yeah, we just sort of called it that I didn't want it to get to someone's life was in danger before, yeah, we... Before you called, made the decision. Pretty much, yeah. So from you being seven centimetres to you going out to the C-section, roughly how many hours are we looking at? Um, So when they put my epidural in, that was about two o'clock. I still hadn't progressed at sort of 6.30 when they 
first brought it to the table. This is in the nighttime, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, by about 10.30 that night, I was very much ready for it. And I'd had time to process it and ask my questions and get my head around it because I had done zero research into caesareans, into the recovery, into anything. And it was always such this scary thing for me that I wanted that natural, beautiful story that everyone talks about and it just wasn't looking like it was going to happen for me. And that was, you know, that processing of having that happen. So um, during that time then where you were trying to process the information, were you sort of having time to then ask the questions to the midwife, like what does this mean? And so what sort of questions, if you can remember, were you sort of (laughs) trying to wrap your head around? It was just around like what to expect. So I have a lot of anxiety around things that are unknown to me. And so obviously birth is very anxious time. Yeah. And so I was just sort of getting my head around as to like, I definitely won't feel it. And what's it going to feel like when I'm on the table and what's, you know, going to be around me and trying to picture because you spent, you know, nine months picturing the birth that you were aiming for, you know, the dark night lights down, the music going, being really connected with hubby. And then it was being this real surgical lights on, bright, you know, they tried to make it as beautiful as possible where I could have music if I wanted to and still carry over some of my birth plan um, requests. And But it was just, yeah, very foreign. So it was a, around the actual cesarean. I never even thought about the recovery side of things and what to expect with that. And it was sort of a this is what's happening now and this is what I had to deal with and that would happen later. There's only so much you can process in a short period of time. So, (laughs) yeah, that's understandable to be like, what do we need to know for now? And, yeah, the current sort of situation. And so going into the room, it was just you and your partner? Yes, yeah. So we went in and the midwife that was with us for my labour until the the shift, I think. so. And who did he get to take photos or did she take photos or anything like that? And that was something that I I really wanted to capture because I I want to look back on. You're so much in the moment, you forget to see and remember and that sort of thing. So we were lucky enough that one of the midwives was very happy to take photos for us for his birth. So that's good. Beautiful. Do you find yourself constantly reaching for sugary foods? It's no secret that eating too much sugar can wreak havoc on your gut health. Not only does it feed bad gut bacteria, but it can also cause inflammation and damage to the gut lining. Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol is here to help. Our simple four-week reset program is designed to remove triggers and unwanted microbes, supporting you through your sugar hangover and repairing the gut. So why wait? Start feeling better today with Fatika Co's Gut Health Protocol. And so, like, talk us through the moment of him being pulled out then and popped (laughs) on your chest. So this is for my first birth. My second birth was complete. Perfect. Yes, first because the second one is a very different story. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so my first one wasn't placed onto my chest. Okay. I He was, the screen was up, he was pulled up, I saw him for seconds and then he was taken away to the crib, which was actually out of my sight. So it was behind the screen. So I can hear my baby, I can't see him. I had seen him for seconds. My husband was very torn because he was like, I don't want to leave you because, you know, you're quite vulnerable and whatnot at the moment. But, you know, we've got this little baby that's even more vulnerable and he was really torn as to who to go to. And I just said, just go with the baby. And then our son was brought back completely wrapped up and placed awkwardly sort of here. 
And I, I don't even think if I touched him until we got back into the recovery and had our first feed in the recovery. And that to me is just how it was done. And upon reflection of my birth at the time, I had a really positive birth. Obviously it didn't go to plan and it was not what I envisioned, but I didn't feel rushed. I didn't feel pushed. I felt very supported in every step along the way by the staff and my husband. And, and so it was really great. It wasn't until like later on that I started to reflect on the birth a little bit more and realized that it probably, I don't know, it wasn't as positive as I thought at the time because you only know this much and, you know, there's a whole world out there, I suppose. Mm, so you were trying to think of how, things that you would do for the next one, which obviously you Absolutely. did do. Yeah, and how yeah, it can be improved. Yeah. And did you find out why was it that they weren't able to sort of track his vitals very well when he was in your belly? Yeah, so the monitoring devices weren't the like cordless ones. They were the ones that attached, so I had to stay within the... Uh area of the machine but then once I had my epidural because you're sort of not as moving around and because you're sitting on the bed or laying on the bed it's compressing all of that and just the position he was in was along and down my side so he kind of got stuck at my cervix and that's really why I didn't progress much further because I couldn't move enough to get him into position to you know use gravity and all that sort of stuff Mm. to try and get him down so he was already in a weird position and sat that way throughout the whole pregnancy. So as he came down and then I just couldn't get him to come out. So they struggled because he was really active in my belly at that time that he kept moving. So it was constantly trying to find a good position. Mm, Right. Yeah. So I suppose that's the that's the tricky thing with birth and that's where that cascade of intervention sort of comes in, doesn't that's it, right. from induction and then because uh, it's um, synthetic oxytocin, you're not getting those waves <laughs> that they talk of. And sometimes, to be honest, even in a um, fully natural, you don't get the beautiful wave, you don't get just the constant. Um, yes. And so because of it being so intense and you need to move to that next step, which is understandably to to have some sort of pain relief epidural to make you feel more comfortable. And so all of those decisions all make sense. It's just that is how it ends up being in a place where you can't move and bubs can't get in position and, yeah. But it's not to say it's wrong or anything like that. No, 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 no. how it happens. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's why it's, you know, great to have this conversation because caesareans I think has a lot of stigma around it as being scary and whatever Mm. and, you know, I've got this beautiful story that I'm so excited to share with you about around it because I yeah. felt, you know, after my first one, I felt like I had to justify why I had a cesarean mm-hmm. and whatnot with a lot of people. And it's probably my own insecurities around it and processing. But, yeah, it was obviously a difficult time to, yeah, reflect on it. And, yeah. Yeah, I think it probably is an element of um, with anything with our own birth, it is something that we put on ourselves and our own reflection on it. But that does also come from somewhere. And I think it does. I think it's changing. It's definitely changing, though, which is good. Yeah. And so tell us about your recovery from that one. How did you go with the recovery process? Interesting because I had done zero research into what to expect or what the recovery was going to be like. And having him so close to Christmas, I think the numbers of staff that were in the hospital at the time were significantly reduced. So he was born on the 23rd of December. And it wasn't until I had my second 
that I realised the things that I wasn't offered or supplied or provided in my private healthcare with my first. So the second I had a physio come in and give me these pamphlet and brochures and exercises and a wrap around my my stomach and that sort of thing, um, it was a friend that gave me the best bit of advice when recovering from a cesarean, which is using a pillow and a towel against your wound when you need to cough, laugh, go to the toilet because it provides something to push against. And so when I see anyone that's had a cesarean now, I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> have you tried this tip? Because it's it's life-changing of you don't feel whole and not able to push or laugh or have that pressure and so that provides that feedback mm. back for you. And that's something that wasn't told. It was a friend that told me that. So I just, you don't know what you don't know. And at the time I just thought that there wasn't a lot of support after birth for a cesarean, but now with my second, I know that there is. So asking for that physio to come and have a look and to give you those exercises and, you know, asking for the pressure band around your tummy really does help with that recovery and a quicker recovery. Mm. And so were both births um, public or private hospital? Private. Private, okay. And so the first one, it was probably just a staffing issue that you weren't provided with those services. I think so, Mm, yeah. Interesting, okay. And and because I didn't know to ask for it either. Mm. Yeah. Well, like you said, we do a lot of, (laughs) there's so many things that you can think about and try and prepare for with birth and then actually parenting afterwards a whole other ball game (laughs) that is sort of like oh do you try to think about what would happen if you have a c-section maybe we should be actually considering okay what are those recovery factors around c-section what are my recovery around natural birth but it is hard to try and do all of that for yourself and I think that's why we really need a good support team and good healthcare providers to help us through that and also um, there's so much online that you can find. Like I remember being in the hospital Googling like C-section recovery and, you know, you've got your uh, the, the padsicles that you can do for your natural births and you've got, you know, the donut rings and there's so much products out there that's common knowledge and easily accessible with a Google search and C-section is still this very, I don't know, hidden, if you like, yeah, world, right. I suppose. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I found anyway. Yeah. And so going into your second one, what, what is the age gap between your two children? Uh, just shy of two years. Okay. So I have an 8th of December and a 23rd of December. <laughs> <laughs> Easy month. I was going to say, they're Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So going into the next one, the decision to do a C-section you chose to do, firstly, you chose to do a maternal assisted C-section for the next yes. one. Can you just explain yep. to us what is that exactly? It is where the mother is so much more involved in assisting the doctors to pull the baby out of her tummy. There's two ways you can go about it. You can scrub in, so you literally scrub in like you see in the movies, and you, they pull, once they've sliced you open, that, that sounds horrible. <laughs> Once they make the incision. (laughs) Sorry. No, go Um, for this part. It's your story. (laughs) They um, sort of encourage you to place your hands down. And so when, at the time I didn't know it was a her, so I could feel the baby's face and having that experience of, oh, my gosh, the baby is here but they're not quite born yet because they're not crying and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, looking over at my husband and including him and then, you place the arms underneath 
and you're able to then like help assist the baby up and guide them onto your chest. Oh my gosh. Incredible. Um, and then the other one is they still drop the um, screen down and they will bring baby straight up onto your chest for skin to skin. And the baby, the idea is the baby that doesn't leave that. So there's sort of two ways to go about it. And I'm sure that there's, you know, everything in between those two, but that's kind of the two maternal assisted that my obstetrician suggested were possible for me. Yeah. I wanted the best of both worlds. So I wanted both. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And I was lucky enough to get both. So yeah. Oh, it was pretty amazing. Cool. <laughs> and so coming to the decision to do a C-section again and not a V-back, so a vaginal birth after C-section, how did you come to the decision that you wanted to do the C-section and then that you wanted to do the maternal? We moved to Perth just after we found out I was pregnant. So going up to Perth where there's no family, there's no friends, there's no anyone to then have a baby, I, I had a lot of um, anxiety as to who would look after my son. The stats are that if you had a cesarean, the chances of having another cesarean for your next birth are, you know, a lot higher. And I was concerned that if I had to have another cesarean, if I went for a VBAC and had to have another cesarean, that I didn't have anyone to have ASHA. Or if I went into spontaneous labour, who two-hour drive from Bunbury to come up and have my son so I didn't have to worry about him or my husband would have to stay with him and then I wouldn't have that support in the birth of, you know, a, a natural is a lot different from a caesarean and I didn't cope very well with my first attempt at a natural. So there was a lot of fear and anxiety for me around that, whereas having another caesarean didn't scare me as much because I knew what to expect. I had things that I knew would work to cope with my management and my recovery and I knew you know, that I could have a date locked in, that that's when it was going to happen. And yeah, so that that was sort of a big driving factor for me, the care of my son and then the support for me and then the recovery as well. Yeah. So for you, it felt like that was going to be the best way forward for you and your Absolutely. family and that you had more certainties and um, could sort of structure things. And also it sounds like that was the way that you were going to get the best care for you and feel the most supported. so. Yeah. And early in my pregnancy, I came across maternal assistant, I think on Australian birth stories or an Instagram that I follow. And I was like, oh my goodness, how cool is that? And being in Perth, obviously you have a lot more open-minded doctors out there. So I actually looked for someone that might have that on their cards. And I found a great program up in Perth called One for Women who worked with mums to have the birth that they wanted, whatever that would be. So please talk us through this birth from the sort of the start to the finish. So you went in on the morning of, was it? Yep. So I was throughout my, once I made the decision about 20 weeks, I was ecstatic the whole way. If you asked me to talk about it or if you were like, oh, you know, are you going to go for a BIAC? Are you going to have a cesarean? And I couldn't not tell the world um, that I was going to be doing this really cool process. And I opted to do the scrubbed in version. So my obstetrician, who interesting enough was my actually my anaesthetist in the process. Okay. Um, so he would have to have another obstetrician come in. The lady that I was going to have did maternals, and we picked the date for George's birth based on when she was going to be rostered on. The night before, I got a phone call from her office, just running through a lot of the what to expect and what to do and whatnot, and I happened to mention and I'm right for my maternal assistant and the reception was like 
oh no, she only does that for her private patients. So my whole pregnancy, I was like, woo, and then it was taken away and I was sobbing and gutted. And this lady was on the phone to me for an hour trying to calm me down, reassuring me that it would be this beautiful birth. And I just was gutted. Text my obstetrician was like, I've just had this being told to me. What the heck? And he was like, give me five minutes. In five minutes, maybe 10, he had called me back, organized another obstetrician who was happy to do the maternal and like had sorted it. So I went from high is happening tomorrow to really low to then like, I couldn't even get back up to that peak because I was just waiting for something else to sort of take it away. So we went in in the morning about six o'clock and we had this beautiful room overlooking the Swan River. Like it was amazing. And we saw like the sun rising. It was really nice. Um, and we had that time together to, you know, take the last photos and whatnot. And then they came in and sort of explained the process of what to expect of like how do I scrub in, what would happen and whatnot. We went in, I washed my hands when we got there. I went in, they put the spinal block in. Then I had to go back out and, well, not back out, but like over a little bit more and wash my hands again. Um, and then they put the gloves on. <laughs> so I had to then sit like this for the rest of the time. Um, my IV, I think my IV went into my foot and then I had other stuff higher up on my arm because you can't have any obstructions on your hands because it needs to be. You need to be able to get in your belly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was like a few considerations as to where these tubes and stuff were going to go. And then the doctor I had was so lovely and he was so happy and bubbly and it then got me back into this um, excited feel. And then, yeah, so once the screen came down, my hands went in, I got to feel baby's face. Were you nervous at that point when the screen came down? No, we're not nervous. There was no point at which I was ever nervous with this birth because I was so like, I'm so ready for it. I got that feeling of, I know that this is going to be everything that I want it to be. And just Ah, oh, it was so exciting. And you're not squeamish, obviously, having your belly oh, up. Terrible, oh, terrible. Okay. Like the whole idea. So my obstetrician slash anaesthetist, he took the photos for us and was like trying to come in for when they had like my open. And I was like, no, 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 I don't, no, no, I'm good. I don't want to <laughs> see inside. And rookie, I should have said yes, because how cool would that photo have been of like her head popped out and my hands there and it's, Hindsight, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so I assisted pulling the baby at this stage up onto my chest and then it was my husband and I to actually discover what we had. Oh. And there's a photo of me, like, looking over here with my eyes so wide and my mouth open going like, oh, my gosh, it's a girl. And because he had a little boy and a little girl, it's just I was oh convinced he, she was a little boy. So I'm getting goosebumps just telling you, actually. <laughs> um <laughs> So that was really nice to be so involved in the process where the first it felt like everything was done to me. This time it was I was doing everything. You were in the driver's seat. (laughs) Absolutely. So Bubs came up, they kept her on me, and I just remember saying literally a 100 times, it's a girl, we've got a daughter, oh, my goodness. And I just staring at her and they kept her there for, I think, a good like five, ten minutes, obviously, she would have got cold. So they brought blankets over and kept her there. And then they're like, okay, we need to do some checks, which was fine because obviously you want baby to be fine. Um, so I took baby over and I could see her the whole time. She did not leave my sight. She was 
in the night, I have to tell my husband, like, oi, I can't see. And so he had to move behind so I could keep watching her. And then they brought her back and it was still, she wasn't wrapped up. She They had pulled my chest down so that I got her sort of more onto my chest and my boobs and then put more blankets on top. Unfortunately, while she was on me, her oxygen levels dropped. Okay. And so they had to then take her back off. And then she didn't come back with me to the recovery, unfortunately. But I was okay with that because I had had that. Had I had my cesarean and her oxygen's dropped, I wouldn't have seen my baby for two and a half hours, three hours, because she was in the nursery and I really would have struggled with that. So I was so thankful that I had at least her first contact was me. Mm. As much as she wasn't there for that golden hour, I I still had that contact. And then as soon as she came back into the room with me, um, she had to have a syringe of a formula because her... Um, sugar level dropped oh, as well okay. and so she just was in the best place and then we just did skin to skin for the rest of the day <laughs> so did she get to do a first feed with you then or she yes okay um so her first feed was formula um in the nursery yep. and then when she got back and I don't think they gave her a full amount but we got the first proper feed did you have colostrum already um, sort of pumped and sitting aside or no, no that's no. why they did the formula? Yep. Okay. Yep. And I was actually in prep for this, was talking to my husband about that. Hindsight, I wish they had a, because I <laughs> have had colostrum in my boobs for like since I was 18, 19. So I've oh. never had pregnancy or be, had a birth, but I just am there I'm a cow (laughs) really so you've always had colostrum oh my gosh wow yeah yeah and like yeah I didn't know that was a thing (laughs) yeah apparently it's something to do sometimes it can be a sign of like issues with your pituitary gland and and hormones and stuff but um, we'll find I'm just a very maternal person yeah it's my brother's just you yeah yeah. (laughs) and so they hadn't talked about just expressing some of that colostrum then so I was told not to because I'd already had those hormones there, the obstetrician was concerned that if I had have expressed, it might have created a spontaneous labour oh, earlier. Okay. So, and because I knew it was there, I didn't need to stimulate it to have a thing. So ideally, perfect world hindsight, I would have liked them to come attach the breast pump because I had heaps there and been that way. But then, you know, the 15 minutes would have taken me to pump it to then get it back up to her. It was sort of critical that she sort of yeah, had if that her there sugar and then, levels so. were dropping. They needed to yeah, make a decision, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, that just sounds like the most amazing little story. It was, inc- it was incredible, and I still I'm on such a high from it, like goosebumps. And I look at the photos, and I just felt so sounds really corny, but empowered by by the birth of of. Like I got to be so involved and every step of the way was me, like you said, in the driver's seat and me in control as much as you can be in birth. And I felt like it wasn't, I don't know, it was just incredible. I I felt like I got that birth of, you know, when they birth naturally and the Mm. baby comes out and they catch them and they pull them up onto, I got that, but in my own way, I suppose. It's definitely not corny. I think every mother should feel <laughs> empowered by their yes. own birth and be in control yeah. and in charge like that. And you have some amazing photos. Who took the yes. photos for that birth? Our obstetrician, well, our obstetrician, oh, anaesthetist. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he, hubby was 
not super keen on having a stranger in the room when there was already going to be a lot of strangers. And for a moment in our lives that was so intimate, he just wanted it to be us rather than us worried about like what angle or where the person was or them getting all up into our face and not that they would, but, you know, he was worried about that. Whereas like, this is for us. So you can have your photos, but it's for us. And, and I really like that as well, but I like that he, you know, had a say in some of the things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He's another significant member of this equation. (laughs) And there was COVID restrictions as well with the hospitals and, it was, uh, yeah, like it was not easy to have because it wasn't a natural birth. It was a cesarean to have someone come in would have been a bit yeah, more no, trickier. No. Yeah. Yeah. And the recovery from this one. So you, you found this recovery process obviously better than the so first. So much better. Yeah. And because was I that because you knew, yeah, sorry, because you knew what to do? Yeah, because I think I knew a little bit more of what to do. So I knew about the pillows and towel tricks. So I had that set up. I knew about, you know, keeping on top of my meds and asking for them, even if I felt fine, to make sure I had that for at least that first week whilst I was in hospital and because we opted to stay longer in time just to have that time with Georgia before we came home to our son and it be, you know, fully chaotic. We wanted to get to know her and and have her. So we stayed in hospital, I think, four nights in total. And that was really nice as well. So, yeah, I just, I I knew to, you know, get up moving as as soon as possible, but not to push it and to, you know, keep extending my walks each each day and time and whatnot. And I knew to, you know, wear the compression socks and I knew to, you know, wrap my belly when I could. And the physio coming in, giving me actual, um, exercises was really helpful because it was not something that I had last time and not really something that I could Google myself. And yeah, it was, yeah, it was easier. I felt it was, I felt recovered a lot sooner. So she was born on the 8th, I think the 20th or 21st of December, we drove down to Bunbury and we had a week, week down there for Christmas. And, you know, there was no way I could have done that with Asha. So Much and better, I think. So <laughs> did Asha get to come into the hospital to meet his new little sister? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's a gorgeous photo of he just adored her instantly. So we had planned for, because it's, you know, mummy's boy and whatnot, that he hadn't seen me in days. So we had planned to have her asleep or, or over on the corner, which sounds horrible, but, like, away there so that he got that. He was not interested. He was just like, baby baby and so he went straight over and was like peeping over the the crib at her and I was like well I'm just going to follow his lead so we got her out and on the bed with me and he just was all over her and the photos of how secure he was in hugging her and you know giving her kisses and then the next day when he came in he was like showing her, her his trains and like saying Georgia already and just and they have such a cute little bond. I'm very, very lucky to have that closeness with them at this age. Oh, don't get me wrong, there's times where, you know, they get frustrated at each other, but just some really beautiful moments. You know, he makes her giggle and she's looking for him and calling out to him and they share a room and it's just, I love it. 
Absolutely love it. It's a good age gap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. I love how he's like, I'm, I've seen you before, mum. I'm not interested in yeah. you. Where's the baby? <laughs> Give Pretty me the baby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. And Very welcome. Thanks I, for having me. I haven't heard of a maternal assisted C-section before. I don't think I've. Well, I've definitely never spoken to anyone about one. So I think that's a really nice story for people to know that that service is available if they seek it out. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, just ask around. I think it's becoming a lot more common for people to be asking for it. So obstetricians are kind of getting their head around it a lot more. And I, I do highly recommend it. I didn't feel squeamish at all. It was all... Amazing and beautiful and magical. (laughs) Thank you so much again. (laughs) Yep, no problem. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Alex. This show was brought to you by Batika Co.